Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.56 Central Standard Time. It is the 3rd of March, 2021. Uh, it is a, God, what is it, Wednesday? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, this is, a, uh, you know, the days just kind of run together but w- What with all the COVIDs hanging around. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Um, this is episode 376 of Bitcoin and, God, the, okay. I'm going to try not to ramp, but it's going to be really hard. Because I'm going to be starting out with having to trash one of the companies that I really used to like. Um, it looks like Bottle Pay is—they're uh, just not going to accept mixed coins. Let's let's get into this just right now. This uh, hit my hit my uh, Twitter stack sometime last night that I saw it. Marty B, not Marty Bent. Marty B, actually it's at Marty underscore P underscore B, says, Bottle Pay have rejected my incoming BTC transactions due to the coins having been in Samurai Wallet and or mixed with Samurai Wallet Whirlpool. If you have been sent mixed coins, you will get stung. <clears throat> and then he uh, calls out Matt O'Dell, Peter McCormick, Proof of Steph. Hey, he's not calling them out. He's just adding their tags. And from what I understand, Matt O'Dell is a, a an advisor to Bottle Pay. And we've all been really excited about Bottle Pay coming back. But this one, this one gives me pause. Now, in this tweet, he has a uh, screenshot from, it looks like, from Bottle Pay. And uh, Bottle Pay says, in, in this is a screenshot of their messaging to this guy, says, welcome to Bottle Pay. We have reviewed your recent deposits and unfortunately are unable to accept them due to the high percentage of the transactions having been through services used for coin mixing. Could you please confirm the address which you wish us to return these to for awareness uh, for future transactions? We are unable to accept transactions that have been used in these types of services. Okay, <clears throat> that's just great. <clears throat> Now, Marty goes on to say, in their defense, they did return the BTC as quickly as they could, but this will impact a lot of customers. Who has the ability to check history of all their UTXOs and whether or not they have been in a Samurai wallet or have been mixed? Virtually no one. Okay. So 6102 comes back and says, you know, Bottle Pay is this genuine. What UTXO history is acceptable slash unacceptable? very concerning behavior. He too, 6102, also tags Matt O'Dell and Samurai Wallet in that tweet. Matt O'Dell does reply and he says he's looking into it. Now here's the deal. 
when when I sent out the tweet saying that I would never use this service, if this ends up being true, I'm never going to use Bottle Pay. Even though I loved them in the past and have been super freaking excited about them coming back, if this shit is true, fuck them. Not going to use them. Ever. 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 Forever. Period. Because this kind of bullshit is, well, first of all, this kind of bullshit is exactly why we have things like BTC Pay Server. The only, and there's no real problems with BTC Pay Server other than the fact that, you know, it's bare to integrate these things yourself, especially if you're a newbie. And you don't know, like, like let's say that <clears throat> you, you are, you're in love with BTC Pay Server, yet you don't even know how to go get a do- domain name because you're that noob, you know, to trying to set up websites and stuff like that. It's going to be a bear. So those kinds of people are going to love something like Bottle Pay. Yet, if Bottle Pay is going to search out and do the analytics on all the UTXOs being sent by me or somebody else and discover that one of them, oh my God, has been through a mixer, then they're just going to reject. And it's going to crush their own business because lots of people are mixing nowadays. So in my opinion, between the fact that they know what they're doing and, can, and are going to continue to do it anyway, so it seems... Uh, people are not going to use their business because they're not true and good Bitcoiners. And second, their business is going to die because even somebody who doesn't, who, who let's say, hey, if I knew what my UTX were, UTXOs were and if they've been mixed, I would not send them to you. And let's say I too believe that mixing is for communists and terrorists and child pornographers and all that shit, all that freaking narrative. I wouldn't be able to use their service because I don't know what's been mixed. I, dude, so this is a fungibility issue par excellence. So anyway, uh, after Matt O'Dell said that he was looking into it, and, and the reason, like I, I was saying, I, I tagged Matt O'Dell because uh, one of the things that I really like about Matt is that he's not afraid to take it on the chin. If he's repping somebody or a service, <clears throat> and it comes to find out that they are not being true to the nature of Bitcoin, he'll drop them like a stone, but he has to know what the hell's going on. So that's why I don't have any problems, you know, tagging him in that tweet. But uh, Jacob comes back and, and replies to o- Matt O'Dell and says, I've had this too. They discriminate coins that have been through Whirlpool. Morgan replies to that and says, has anyone tried to sell on another exchange? And then a guy named Random Guest 2 uh, says, Ricochet then, it's a cat and mouse game that they will lose. So what what Morgan was saying was that he uh, that he had heard on the street that some exchanges will not accept coins that have been mixed if they are four hops or less away from from the mixer. So ricochet, I, I take it, you know, just basically means bounce them back and forth, but you know, back and forth between you know four or five different wallets. The problem is, is that you got a fee issue there. So you know, here's the thing. I just said fees. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. Um, if you've been listening to the show, you know that every once in a while I mention permaculture, which is an ethical design science for environmental systems. All right. It's, I won't get into it. However, one of the things about designing a system that you'll find in permaculture is that some of the greatest of permaculturists hate an open page which means a blank sheet, like a a piece of land that is flat as a bone and has no restrictions on any of the sides. They can do whatever they want without any problems whatsoever. That ends up being quite difficult 
for a permaculturist to design like a, a silvopasture system or a tree cropping system or a, a holistic grazing system or, you know, whatever. It ends up being fairly kind of, you know, kind of difficult because it's such an open page. They don't have anything to focus their energies. When you have restrictions, and in this case, high fees is a restriction for what you want to do. Then and only then do a lot of permaculture designers get the light bulb going off in their head as to exactly how they're going to proceed. It's like a, a seed crystal uh, for a diamond or making, you know, sh- hard rock sugar candy, right? It needs a seed to, for the, the crystals to start to form. So even though the, there's a situation here where we have uh, a company that doesn't like mixed UTXOs, the fact that they will accept them if they're, you know, or may accept them if they're far enough away from the whirlpool or mixing device. And the fact that we got some high fees going on right now. And if you just want to bounce transactions around, it could cost you quite a bit of money. That's where designers start to get the idea of how can we fix this? And one of the ways that you fix it is you just use BTC pay server and go on with it because BTC pay server will allow on-chain transactions as well as lightning, which is what bottle pay does is the lightning side. So somebody's going to come along and say, and it, it may be, you know, uh, Nicholas uh, Dorier, who did BTC Pay Server in the first place, figures out a way to have a non-centralized service that does exactly what Bottle Pay does and does not give two fucks about the fact that these UTXOs are mixed. And that's what we need. I would provide it for you, but I cannot code myself out of a wet paper bag with holes in it. So there you go. Now on to other bullshit, Eric Geller has this to say in a small thread. <clears throat> and he says, in his written statement for today's SJC hearing, FBI Director Chris Rye, or Ray, coins a new anti-encryption term, quote, user-only access encryption, end quote. He says the would-be Michigan governor kidnappers and the Capitol rioters plotted on encrypted apps also notes challenges for local law enforcement. He goes on to say, Ray does not mention that the FBI released incorrect statistics about the scope of the encryption problem and then basically never talked about statistics ever again, despite reporters, including me, repeatedly asking for corrected numbers. On cyber, Ray points to increasing danger of criminal attacks, quote, It's not that individual hackers alone have necessarily become much more sophisticated, but unlike previously, they are able to rent sophisticated capabilities on the dark web. Ooh, it's all spooky. On foreign influence, Ray says the FBI's task force expanded its focus beyond Russia after the 2018 midterms to counter Chinese, Iranian, and other activities. Quote, we have also added resources to maintain permanent surge capability on election and foreign influence threats. Ray at a FBI oversight hearing says, quote, we are not going to have a key. We're not asking for a back door in encryption. That's a myth, an urban legend that has been directed our way. Oh, you poor people. DOJ FBI officials love focusing on the semantics here. It's driven security experts, expert mad experts mad for years. Ray said companies should be required to hold their own golden keys to encrypted data and said, quote, the crypto cryptologers, and then he's got a question mark, and cryptographists, again, another question mark behind that, that I talked to say this is doable, end quote. 
FBI refuses to say which cryptography experts have told Ray this. Uh, the vast majority disagree. All right, so <clears throat> this guy, this Ray guy, is basically bashing encryption. All right, that we've heard this argument before. Thankfully, and I do believe it was the I don't want to say whatever the 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 Court of Appeals that represents California. Dude, a long time ago, they put this shit to bed. So, but the problem is, is that it hasn't gone all the way to the Supreme Court yet. But they put this shit to bed in so far that encryption is not ammunition and it's free, free, it's free speech. Okay, that shit was done back in the '80s, I believe. So, if this comes up again, it's going to go right from appellate court all the way to like directly to Supreme Court because this shit has already been heard at the appellate level. But still, we have this guy saying shit. And that's what's so funny. Cryptologer? Can somebody please tell me what the hell a cryptologer or a cryptographist is? Because I've never heard this shit before. It's almost like he's pulling words out of his ass to make himself sound cool. I don't know. But honestly, I don't think it's this shit is terrible. But it's, it's bad. Okay? So you got to keep your eye on it. Because they're talking about this especially in the fact that he's talking about this because of the mission, the Michigan governor kidnapping plot, which was in the news for all of like 30 minutes. Cause I haven't heard shit about it since. And now all of a sudden, because they used encrypted apps, encryption is now the problem. And they, and I'm honestly, I think the whole story is bullshit. Personally, I think it's just another narrative that they've spun up so that they can figure out a way to lock down yet more freedom. Screw these guys, man. It, at one point or another, and this is why I really need Governor Abbott. Uh, I'm hoping that he he lifted all the restrictions in Texas yesterday uh, for on COVID and mask mandates and whatnot, because we're planning on on taking Texas private and getting the hell out of the United States. And it's not that I hate America. I love America. I love Americans. But the United States federal government, which I have not considered to be American in any way for almost a decade now is pissing me off to the point that I just want to leave the country. But I don't want to leave America. I just want to leave the United States federal government because honestly, I think they've all I think the entire organization has been taken over by whack jobs, criminals and mafia like this Focahontas woman, Elizabeth Warren who says that Yellen has left no room for ambiguity and speculative Bitcoin comments. This is Coindesk's Sebastian Sinclair writing sometime this morning. Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren backed recent comments on Bitcoin by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen during an interview with CNBC's Squawk Box on Tuesday. <clears throat> Asked if she agreed with comments saying the cryptocurrency was a speculative asset made by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen late in February, the senator said somewhat coyly, quote, I think Janet's a really smart woman, end quote. Oh. When pressed, she said, quote, speculative in nature and going to end badly. I don't think Janet left a lot of room for ambiguity. You know, Janet doesn't know what she's up again, and neither do you, Focahontas. CNBC's host <clears throat> also clarified that Yellen had actually said Bitcoin could end badly for some. The topic of Bitcoin was brought up as a potential problem for uh, a new wealth tax proposed by Warren and Senator Bernie Sanders on Monday that would see rich individuals charge 2% annually on their net worth above $50 million and 3% on $1 billion and above. Jeez, can you imagine? I mean, they're just... 
I, I right after she announced that on Twitter, I, I just wrote her straight back, replied straight back. I'm like, you don't know how much Bitcoin I have, and there's no way for you to find out. Go fuck yourself. I'm tired of these people. It's like the, all they all they can do is somehow or another shore up their inability to spend money in the correct ways. Not you know maybe not bomb Pakistani weddings and shit like that and overpay for a hammer by $49,950, you know, because that shit happened and toilet seats that were $10,000. All that shit happened back in the 80s, man. I mean, it's like, dude, it was like, it was huge. Somebody got a hold of those spreadsheets and released them. And we were overpaying for everything from the U.S. military all the way to Department of Health and Human Services, overpaying by like 100x what we should have been paying as taxpayers. And that's what pisses me off as being a taxpayer because I know that not only are they stealing my money, they're pissing it away. And it's just, I, that's why I'm done with the United States federal government, man. Anyway, Yellen has been an outspoken critic of cryptocurrencies, calling them a growing problem and citing their use in, of course, illegal activities such as the drug trade and terrorist funding. However, she's also said that cryptocurrencies have the potential to improve the efficiency of the financial system. So I don't know who at these, at this point, I kind of believe that these people are just losing credibility in a way that is finally making even the normie sheep that are standing on the edge of the cliff, hurting the lemmings, starting to kind of rethink their position as a civilian and in, in, in civilian life. Now, Human Rights Foundation announces a $70,000 grant in Bitcoin development. <clears throat> actually a, a series of grants. This is Bitcoin Magazine. Let's see who's writing this one. Peter Chihuahua is writing this one. Today, the Human Rights Foundation has announced four new grants as part of its Bitcoin Development Fund, a program launched last year to financially support Bitcoin developers who are working to make the network more private, decentralized, and resilient. The nonprofit focused on preserving human rights around the world will be donating $25,000 to Jesse Posner, and this is all in terms of BTC, by the way. Uh, who is working on adapter signatures and discrete law contracts. 25 grand uh, to the team behind Mun Wallet, that's M-U-N-N. $10,000 in BTC to Janine. Oh, good job, Janine, who manages a Bitcoin privacy newsletter. And $10,000 in BTC to the team behind Open Source Cryptography Nonprofit Blockchain Commons. Quote, this wave of donations will support Bitcoin development, a new open source wallet, a privacy newsletter, and internships for college students to work on Bitcoin software and new user education per an HRF announcement shared with Bitcoin Magazine. The announcement also offered details on how each recipient and project could advance Bitcoin as a sovereignty tool. Posner was previously working on key management for the cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase before shifting to open source technology development. HRF expects its grant to help him research <clears throat> and implement key management for Bitcoin following the activation of Taproot. Oh, I'll get into that later, maybe, if I remember. Highlighting the potential of flexible, round-optimized Schnorr threshold signatures, otherwise known as Frost. Sounds so cool, man. To help users easily and privately control funds. The Lightning-compatible MUN wallet is available for Android and iPhone and seeks to make it easier for users to self-custody their Bitcoin. The project is based in Argentina and led by Dario Snyder Dom Dominus. I hope I didn't butcher it, but I'm sure I did. 
Janine's This Month in Bitcoin Privacy newsletter collects and redistributes the latest news and how-tos in Bitcoin privacy to help readers better protect themselves from bad actors and prying eyes while utilizing the technology. Blockchain Commons is an organization working to create decentralized blockchain infrastructure and is expected to put its grant <clears throat> toward the launch of a series of Bitcoin-focused internships for university students. The internships will participate uh, will give participants the opportunity to contribute to Bitcoin software development and to help HRF network activists on board to Bitcoin. Quote, they will allow, for example, journalists and dissidents under authoritarian regimes to have personalized access on how to, for example, set up a Bitcoin payment processor on their website to allow them to receive donations from anywhere in the world, configure a wallet that they securely control, and sell Bitcoin into fiat safely when necessary to pay for program expenses, as per the announcement. So there you go, HRF doing God's work and $70,000 across four different grants. That's good news, man. Totally good news. More institutional investors are jumping into Bitcoin and leaves less to go around, says Data. And this is from Coindesk's Mayao Shen, uh, 4 million. 4 million. That's roughly how much Bitcoin is circulating freely right now. Blockchain data shows. The number has been getting a little smaller with each passing month over the last year. Its assessment, or rather the assessment of Glassnode, an analysis firm that tracks blockchain data, the pattern suggests that the ever-decreasing supply of Bitcoin available to buy and sell might lead to a price surge as more institutional investors embrace the largest cryptocurrency as an investment. Bitcoin's liquid supply change, the amount by which the number of coins in circulation has changed over the prior 30 days, has been negative for most of the past year, according to Glassnode. That's a longer period in negative than seen historically, potentially providing more support to Bitcoin's price strength in the long term, despite short-term corrections like last week's 21% re, uh, retreat. As of Monday, there were only about 4 million BTC in constant circulation and available for buying, <clears throat> trading, and selling, according to Glassnode. The 30-day net change of BTC supply held by liquid and highly liquid entities has been in the negative territory since last April, except for a short stint between July and August and again briefly in December. Quote, this has never happened before for such an extended period of time and could lead to a massive supply squeeze soon, Glassnode wrote on February 26th. Uh, the Bitcoin blockchain's third halving last May cut the pace of mining rewards to 6.25 BTC for every block uh, from 12.5 BTC. At the same time, big Wall Street firms like Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, and BlackRock are now, quote, dabbling in cryptocurrencies, while the payment giants PayPal and Square's Cash App have allowed their users to buy and sell the digital asset. On Monday, Daniel Loeb, CEO and founder of the hedge fund Third Point, wrote in a series of tweets that he was taking a deep dive into crypto. Alessandro Andreoiti, sorry guy, I, I can't do Italian. I'm, I'm good to be able to pronounce Mir's you know, first name, so if you don't know who she is, don't worry about it. An over-the-counter Bitcoin broker told Coindesk that institutions are buying up more Bitcoin per month than the ones that are being mined, and there just is, <coughs> excuse me, isn't enough for everybody. <clears throat> Quote, this is the biggest factor that has been driving Bitcoin's price up lately, he added. The supply dynamic could prove crucial to restoring a bullish tone for the Bitcoin market after last week's price correction shook some retail investors' confidence. 
I'm so sick of their confidence being shook by shit that we experienced seven different times in one single year in 2017. I mean, 33% pullbacks seven different times. It was anywhere between 28 and 35%, seven different times during a year. And you still can't get it into your, into your head that this shit just happens? Welcome to Bitcoin. <clears throat> just saying. Uh, the, uh, the sell-off took Bitcoin to near 43000 which was down 26% from an all-time high price of above 58000 on February the 21st. Compared with Bitcoin's last big market correction in early January, fewer long-term Bitcoin holders appear to be reducing their positions or taking profits last week, according to Glassnode. This can be seen in the chart below where the shaded red area indicating a position reduction by long-term hodlers has been moving back towards neutral footing. So there you go, man. I mean, essentially, that's what you need to know about that. There's a little bit more to the article, but we're getting into like we're. It's not that it's an illiquid asset, but a supply shock. I'm I'm honestly surprised that is that a flat ass supply shock has not happened already. I mean, and when I mean when I mean a supply shock, I mean one that everybody's talking about. It hits the news. It's front page CNBC. You got Joe Kernan talking about it on Squawk Box. Everybody's freaking out and they actually start saying shit like I want to buy Bitcoin but I can't buy any. I can't find it. That's what I'm looking for. That's the day I want to wake up to Joe Kernan screaming about the fact that he can't buy Bitcoin because he can't find any. Not on any exchange. Nobody's selling. And, um, but, I mean, people will, will sell anything. It, it boils down to price. I don't like it in fiat terms, but hey, we live on, the, on, on planet Earth with a bunch of basically subhuman primates, okay? Because we're all aping around trying to hit each other with clubs all the time. It's not exactly what I would call human, so we're kind of subhuman at this point still. I'm just saying at one point or another, we will wake up and there will be a supply shock and it's going to freak people out. And some people will eventually sell, but they'll do shit like it will cost. I'm thinking something like the price will be like, let's say $55,000 a coin. And then one day Joe Kernan wakes up and starts bitching that he can't buy Bitcoin and he's going to end up paying like, let's say $110,000 a coin from the morning that he wakes up and can't find any to lunch. And the price is going to just absolutely rip your head off. Not just your face. It's going to take your whole head because it's going to be a situation where the only way that supply can come back into in come back into a tradable, let's say, is if the price screams past 2x or 3x where we're at now. Is that a prediction? No, I'm a shitty trader. It's why I don't trade. Although I will say that I think that I'm not wrong. Okay, I'll just say that. Uh, Bitcoin is technology, but gold is dead, says Mark Cuban, talking to Peter Schiff. William Suberg tells us about it from Cointelegraph. I'm starting to get really worried about Peter Schiff, by the way. Uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are empowering, but gold is dead, says billionaire Mark Cuban. And he told that to one of cryptocurrency's biggest naysayers in a Twitter Twitter debate on March the 2nd, which was yesterday. Cuban, who has become increasingly sympathetic to crypto, warned Peter Schiff that gold will die as a store of value. Schiff, a gold bug who has long made a name for himself as a firm Bitcoin skeptic, continues to 
to tweet disparaging comments about the phenomenon despite BTC regularly hitting new all-time highs. Responding to remarks about Wall Street firms buying dumb or being dumb by buying it, Cuban offered a dose of surprisingly pro-Bitcoin medicine. Quote, let me help, Peter. Gold is hyped as much as crypto. Do we really need gold jewelry? Gold can make you a ring. One tweet reads. Uh, let's see. Uh, BTC, or this is another quote, BTC are technologies that can make you a banker, allow friction-free exchange of value, and are extensible into an unlimited range of business and personal applications. Continuing, he gave a stark verdict on the future of gold. Quote, what we are seeing built with crypto today is just proof of concept. As tech continues to get better, cheaper, faster, there will be new applications and maybe even something that supersedes what we know as crypto today, a further post says. That just shows Mark Cuban isn't all that smart. He's lucky. He's just not all that smart. I know. I'm not a billionaire, so therefore I'm, I'm dumber than him. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with being in the right time at the right place, man. And actually giving a shit about it. I mean, if you really want to be a billionaire, go ahead, dude. Honestly, I think having personal security around me all the time would be a big pain in the ass. So I'd rather just be on a farm somewhere. Cuban had formerly given little time to Bitcoin uh, or cryptocurrency technology more broadly, sparking a concerted effort among proponents to persuade him to reconsider. In January, he revealed that he had still had holdings from years ago, which he had, quote, never sold. Don't forget, this is a quote, gold was a store of value built on technology, from picks and shovels to mining operations that keep trying to improve. Whoever could use the tech of the day to find and, find and mine the most efficiently was the most rewarded, much like crypto is today. A final message to shift concludes, quote, gold is dead, Peter. Move on, end quote. Schiff had little to counteract his words, calling cryptocurrency a malinvestment and arguing that gold could back digital currency in the future. As many joke that his Twitter posts serve as an indication of Bitcoin price bottoms, one trader revealed a homemade trading tool that is that he has spent a year performing transactions based solely on Schiff's social media activity. Oh my God, I got to go check it out, bro. Uh, since May, the algorithm would have executed 203 trades, achieving an annualized return of 1,000%. Sam Baker, a student at Boston College, said, uploading a sample of his profits, quote, I guess that's as good a reason as any to buy Bitcoin. Good luck, Schiff replied. Oh, man, dude. See, and I really do. I'm starting to get worried about Schiff. I mean, even his own son just basically just pulled the plug on him. Like, I think it was like March the 1st or something like that. And uh, <clears throat> somebody said something about Peter Schiff in a, in a Twitter thread. And, and uh, Spencer, which is Peter's son, came back and said, my dad is on suicide watch. And I was like, oh, Spencer. I mean, yeah, it's okay to poke around with your dad, dude. You know, it's okay to jab and, and, and cut up with, with, your, with your old man. You know, go drinking with him because your dad should not only love you, but, you know, and you should not only love your dad, but y'all, you know, y'all two should be friends. I mean, and this not not just for them, for for anybody. Y'all should be friends. I finally got to be friends with my dad, and it was one of the best things that 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 ever happened to me before he passed away. But dude, I would never, ever use my own father as the butt of that kind of joke. I mean, if my dad was was doing what Peter Schiff does, you know, I would I would definitely be ribbing him about it and stuff like that. 
But I would never say something like, my dad's on suicide watch because, dude, you you, you don't want to play around with that kind of karma, Spence. I'm, I'm just saying I've been around the world long enough to know that karma is real and shit comes back to bite you in the ass in ways you don't want. And honestly, you're talking about your old man who has invested his entire, all the entirety of his life on this planet outside of being a child and learning about things in gold. And it does not look like gold is doing very well. And we're going to talk about that right now as we run the numbers. CNBC.com forward slash futures and commodities has liquid gold way up today. Uh, oil is, or West Texas Intermediate is up a point and a half to $60.68 a barrel. Brent North Sea is up a point and a half to $63.63 a barrel. Natural gas swinging uh, up 1%. It is at $2.86 per thousand cubic feet of that. Now, shiny metal rocks getting hit in the gonads. Yes, sir. Gold looks like it is down 0.63%. It's going to come in at 1,722.6. See, that's the deal, Spence. That's what I'm talking about. My problem here is is that unless you know exactly how knee-deep your dad is in holding gold and watching him, like if, if he's like watching his wealth drain away because of Bitcoin and like we're, we're dumping on Peter, his gold shiny metal rock is dumping it may be time that we give Peter a break. I, I'm just saying, okay, look, I, I, I don't like what he says about Bitcoin any more than you do, but I'm watching a man whose son's going after him. His entire life's work is being funneled or basically flushed down the toilet. And he's square in the face of having to learn something brand new that is very, very technological, even though that you, it's not impossible to wrap your mind around it. I mean, he's getting hit on all sides. Maybe it's time to give Peter some words of encouragement. That doesn't mean that you have to stop giving him eggplants when he says something stupid about, you know, Bitcoin in, in, in the replies. But still, I'm saying we might want to be a little bit more careful with Peter because, dude, if I was getting hit like this, like on all sides, I may not be outside the, 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 it may not be outside the realm of possibility that I may be contemplating suicide. It's, I'm actually being serious here. I'm not really joking. It's, if I was in Peter's shoes, I don't know what I would be thinking at this point, but still shiny metal rocks are all down. Silver down 0.8%, platinum down 0.18%. Copper is down all over a full point and palladium is down also over a full point. Uh, indices, of course, they're all going to be up. Dow futures is up 0.6 of a percent. S&P futures up 0.6 of a percent. NASDAQ futures up 0.6 of a percent. And the S&P mini is up almost a full point. Now let's talk about real money. $51,642 is what I'm seeing as a probably a high price for Bitcoin. Let's see. Is that my highest? It is, in fact, my highest and my lowest price that I've got is it hit BTC at 51484 Not a lot of wiggle room. 325,500 transactions performed in the last 24 hours gives us about 13,500 transactions being performed every hour on the hour. Uh, 516,000 BTC have been sent in that 
24-hour period with the average being sent per hour of 21,500 BTC. 1.59 BTC is the average transaction value and the median transaction value is 0.018 BTC, which is finally under $1,000 US. Block times are low, 9 minutes and 32 seconds. We have 0.84 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 126 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a 13.14% bump in hash rate, we are back up to highs of 161.8 exahashes per second. What's Dogecoin doing? 5.2 cents. Stupidity still reigns. Just saying, man. Okay, Clark Moody uh, dashboard here. We have 54,787 transactions that will have to onboard 85 blocks to clear. We have uh, corporate treasuries holding $68.4 billion worth of BTC, and the full market capitalization is back up to 963.5 BTC, which is 8.56% of gold's market cap. So now, one BTC will buy you 29.7 ounces, which is nearing a kilogram of gold, by the way, if you don't know. It's like it's not all that far away from one BTC being a full kilo of shiny metal rock, if you want to play with that kind of stuff. 18,643,555.09 BTC are in circulation at this time. And like the lady said, about only 4 million of that is actually in being actively traded at this, this point. So, wow. Uh, this price I'm seeing here is 51,720. We have 1,104 BTC in the Lightning Network, and that's about $57.1 million of capacity, and that's being uh, transferred over 38,401 channels on 9,249 nodes. We're getting a lot of Lightning nodes added to the network, man. This is nice. Now, Tor percentage also getting a bump. 53.6% of the Lightning Network is run over the Tor Network. And that is run over 3,673 Tor nodes. And again, I will never understand how we can see that if Tor is the way it was supposed to be. Anyway, that's going to do it for Vitals. Don't fall for scams. And welcome to part two of the Morning Roundup. Someone sent $243,000 in Bitcoin to an Elon Musk scam wallet address. Uh, if you haven't heard, Jeff Benson gets to tell us about it from decrypt.co. Uh, I just don't understand why people still fall for this. I don't get it. Quote, <clears throat> sorry, start beginning the article. You've probably seen the scammy tweet and video live streams usually tied to a fake celebrity account. Quote, BTC giveaway, send one BTC to verify and receive two BTC in return. Nobody actually falls for those, right? Well, it looks like someone just did. And to the tune of one quarter of a million dollars in Bitcoin. On March the 1st, <clears throat> a Bitcoin address sent five BTC to a verified scam address. The address, 1E Musk. Okay, that's 1-E-M-U-S-K actual letters. I'm going to pause right here. What does that mean? This is what's called a vanity address. 
And it, way back in the day, you had to mine, basically mine these, okay? You had to spend money getting an, a vanity address, and you still do. I mean, it's the only way that you can get these things. It's just that we don't talk about them very much anymore because this particular address, if I'm reading it right, is is uh, an older address and not a Segwit one. So they had to, had to spend money to get this one E. Musk uh, address going on. And I guess they did that because it was going, oh, well, certainly his, his name's in the address, so therefore it must be true, right? Wrong. Whatever. <clears throat> anyway, this address is associated with a fake Elon Musk website, elon2x.com. Please don't go there, okay? That promises to return double any amount of Bitcoin it receives between 0.1 and 10 BTC, while it's unclear whether the sender is a victim of the scammer or in cahoots with them, e.g. the scammer transferring money between wallets, it's a gentle reminder that the Tesla CEO isn't here to make you rich. One reason people fall for such scams is because two truisms don't always hold up in crypto. Uh, the Yeah, good old-fashioned gullibility here. Um, Sometimes there is such a thing as a free lunch, take airdrops. In September of 2020, for example, decentralized exchange Uniswap dropped 400 Uni tokens, then worth $1,200 to its users. Anyone who held on to the governance tokens would now have $10,000. When Showtime, a forthcoming NFT social network, hinted at its own airdrop by asking for Ethereum addresses on Twitter, it drew in legitimate blockchain authorities such as CoinShares Chief Strategy Officer Melton Demirs and Week in Ethereum publisher Evan Van Ness. The difference being is that no one was asked to send any funds. And if it looks like it's too good to be true, it might still be true, at least for a little while. How else do you explain being able to buy Bitcoin for $8,000 a year ago and cash out now with a $40,000 profit? Then again, protocols get hacked, liquidity pools get drained, and rugs get pulled. This is magical internet money where scams and savings, fraud, and financial freedom live side by side, baby. But Elon Musk lives in a mansion, and it's not because he's giving you free Bitcoin. It's good good words of advice right now. Uh, honestly, don't fall for this shit. But also remember, it is possible. It's not outside the realm of possibility that the scammer themselves were sending themselves their own Bitcoin to make it look like it was legit. Like, oh, well, other people are doing it, so it must be good. I, certainly, I won't get scammed. In either event, we don't really know exactly what's going on. I mean, we do have some addresses associated, or the addresses associated with it. So therefore, in a blockchain, you know, in a mempool.space uh, blockchain explorer, you can actually see these uh, these transactions. And I'm looking at nine transactions that were swept into a BC1 address. And all of these, everything, single thing that I see is has been given to the E or the 1E Musk YDG83 address. So there's nine uh, sends from that address to this BC1 address. And right now the E Musk wallet holds exactly zero Bitcoin. And it looks like it's still holding zero Bitcoin, but we'll have to see. Anyway, it was like it looks like it got the address uh, according to BitInfoCharts.com. Uh, given the graph of their, you know, they have a blockchain explorer and they have a graph here that shows the Bitcoin address one E Musk, and it looks like it uh, from twelve o'clock was it yesterday? Uh, through yeah, no, uh, 12 o'clock on February the 27th, uh, through today, it the graph just increased slightly 
and then slightly again and slightly again. And then like in a couple of days later, there's this massive spike up to nine BTC and then it falls off a cliff and that's where it got swept into the BC one address, which I think is, a, I'm sure it's a Segwit address. Anyway, we don't, that's all we really know. We don't really know if people got scammed out of their BTC or if this is the scammer trying to make the address look legit. But what we do know is that nine BTC in total got sent to the e, to the eMusk account. And now that thing is completely empty because it got sent to a different address. All right. Unchained Capital closes a 5.5 million round led by NYDIG. Christian Carolis is going to tell us about it from BitcoinMagazine.com. Today, Unchained Capital announced that it has closed a $5.5 million equity seed round led by NYDIG. Also participating in the equity round were existing investors Ecliptic Capital, Starting Line, Platform Ventures, Stronghold Resource Partners, Trammel Venture Partners, Bitcoin Venture Fund, and Capital Factory. NYDIG is a leading institutional Bitcoin technology and financial services firm that recently filed for a U.S.-based Bitcoin ETF product. Quote, the teams at NYDIG and Unchained Capital share a mission built on the foundation of a Bitcoin standard, Joseph Kelly, CEO and co-founder of Unchained Capital, said in an announcement shared with Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, we believe there are significant opportunities to create synergies across our respective custodial and non-custodial platforms. As an institutional business, NYDIG is focused on Bitcoin as a service provider to large investment managers and high net worth clients, but also as an investor to fund and support cutting edge Bitcoin native startups. In addition to leading the equity round, NYDIG has made an initial lending commitment of $50 million and will continue to be the principal funding partner to Unchained in support of its Bitcoin-backed multi-sig lending platform. Quote, NYDIG sees an investment in Unchained Capital as both an investment in a complementary technology and financial services platform, but also as an investment in the open source Bitcoin ecosystem itself, Parker Lewis, head of business development at Unchained Capital, told Bitcoin Magazine. Magazine. In a world where many venture capital firms and Silicon Valley startups are more focused on launching tokens and monetizing the latest fad, Unchained Capital and NYDIG have signaled a very serious intention to build and leverage the Bitcoin native infrastructure needed to make Bitcoin more accessible to real people and businesses. Through investments in its proprietary services platform and open source applications like Caravan, Unchained Capital has advanced the development of Bitcoin multisig and the security of the Bitcoin network for all. Quote, it takes Bitcoin-minded entrepreneurs and investors to build products and platforms that Bitcoiners actually value, and the investment that both Unchained and NYDIG are making reinforce the strength of the Bitcoin ecosystem as a whole, Lewis said. Uh, Through many of its initiatives, the team at Unchained Capital is dedicated to publicly advancing both Bitcoin and the asset Bitcoin uh, and and the as the asset and Bitcoin, the movement. God, that was that was difficult. Sorry. But it may be less publicly well known that NYDIG holds similar ideals. So there you go, man. Five point five million dollars. Nice. Good job, y'all. SEC Chair nominee Gary Gensler, or Gensler, crypto is a catalyst for change. Now, this is odd because yesterday we saw a dip because Gensler said something bad about Bitcoin. And this story tells us that he said something good about Bitcoin. So we never know what the hell's being said about Bitcoin 
all we see is pumps and dumps and just whatever. Will Will Gottenson is going to tell us about it from Decrypt.co. Uh, Gary Gensler said today in a Senate confirmation hearing that cryptocurrencies have been a catalyst for change. Quote, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have brought new thinking to payments and financial inclusion, but they've also raised new issues of investor protection that we still need to attend to, Gensler said, or told Senator Mike Rounds. He went on to say that if confirmed, he'd work to both promote the new innovation, but also at the core ensuring for investor protection. Gensler, who spent nearly 20 years at Goldman Sachs before pivoting to public sector work, was chairman of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission during the Obama administration. He's also a professor at MIT, where he teaches a course on blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. That's interesting. The SEC has played an important role in regulating cryptocurrencies over the past decade. While it's been the commission's view that Bitcoin is not a security, and so isn't regulated by the SEC, other coins like Cripple have faced legal actions for that very reason. Well, that's because it is an unregistered security guy. Gensler said in 2018 that he thought XRP was a security. Late last year, the SEC took legal action against the coin's issuer, Ripple Labs, alleging the company knew XRP was an unregulated security all along. Quote, I believe financial technology can be a powerful force for good, said Gensler in his opening statement, but only if we continue to harness the core values of the SEC and service of investors, issuers, and the public. What? Like letting a whole bunch of bankers steal a whole shit ton of money over decades and decades, and then when you finally have to catch them because it's just obvious that they're doing it, you give them a slap on the wrist? Is that the SEC's core public good? I don't think so. I think you guys are just a bunch of thieves. Okay, BitFarms is set to acquire 48,000 new miners in 2022 despite a chip shortage. Martin Young tells us about this one from Cointelegraph. One of the largest publicly traded Bitcoin mining operations in the world, BitFarms, has undertaken to purchase 48,000 new miners over the next two years. The Canadian mining company has sourced the equipment from Chinese supplier MicroBT. Haha, <laughs> not Bitmain. Good, good. In a bid to increase its hashing capacity by another five exahashes, according to the report. BitFarms was founded in 2017 and currently has a capacity of one exahash, and it has targeted a 200% increase by the end of 2021. The hashing capacity is the amount of pure computing horsepower that can be dedicated to mining Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, whatever. Okay, you guys get that. The firm anticipates the initial shipment of hardware to take place on or before January 2022. With the final mining rigs expected to arrive in December of 2022, it will increase its overall hashing capacity to a total of eight exahashes over the next two years. Emiliano Gradsky, CEO of BitFarms, stated it was getting harder to secure mining rigs. Well, duh. <laughs> Quote, the supply of miners will be one of the greatest challenges in for this in. Oh, God, this sorry. I'm going to start that one again. The supply of miners will be one of the greatest challenges for the foreseeable future due to a global shortage of wafers used to create semiconductor chips, which is vital, a vital component of mining rigs. In quote, the report did not specify which units would be purchased, probably any ones they can get their hands on. But MicroBT's flagship project, which is the What's Miner M30S++, 
which boasts 112 terahashes per second and retailing at $9,300. The company website currently reports all mining devices are in fact sold out. Over the past eight months, BitFarms has acquired over 12,000 mining rigs for MicroBT, citing reliability and power efficiency as reasons for the purchase. In December of 2022, BitFarms deployed 1,000 new What's Miner M31S mining rigs and placed an order for an additional 3,000 What's Miner M31S Plus miners scheduled for delivery in late February of 2021. BitFarms was one of the first Bitcoin mining op companies to complete its long-form prospectus with the Ontario Securities Commission and started trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange back in July of 2019. The company has five industrial-scale facilities located in Quebec, all powered with hydroelectric energy. Going to be a hard one to beat, y'all. Just saying. Now you can buy not only a Lamborghini, but a used Hyundai with Bitcoin. Sam Borgi is going to tell us about it from uh, Coin Telegraph here. H. Greg, that's H G R E G, a Quebec based vehicle superstore with 30 North American locations, will begin accepting cryptocurrency payments for new and pre owned vehicles this month. The auto dealer, which has locations in Quebec and Florida, is becoming one of the first large automotive groups to accept digital asset payments in its day-to-day -day operations. The company claims to have sold 500,000 vehicles over the past 25 years and maintains a warehouse in Miami that's stocked with over 1,000 cars. Quote, a portion of the revenue from sales made in cryptocurrency will be kept in this format by the company, H. Gregg said, indicating that it plans to hold digital assets like Bitcoin on its balance sheet. In terms of accepting crypto payments, the dealership says, quote, we're pleased today to be at the forefront of technology, giving our customers another payment option. We also believe that it will be advantageous to keep some of our assets in cryptocurrency. The dealership sells a wide variety of used cars from Hyundais to Lamborghinis. Crypto users can therefore use their funds to buy practical cars in addition to luxury vehicles. H. Gregg claims to have the largest inventory of vehicles in Canada. H. Gregg's decision to accept cryptocurrency payments comes on the heels of Tesla's entry into the Bitcoin market. As Cointelegraph reported last month, the electric vehicle maker allocated 7.7% of its gross cash position into Bitcoin. In the process, the company announced that it will begin accepting BTC for payment. While cryptocurrencies remain largely within the domain of investments, payment infrastructure is increasingly integrated or integrating digital assets. OLB Group recently enabled crypto payments for thousands of United States merchants, allowing businesses to accept Bitcoin and a couple of shitcoins. A car enthusiast who spent 37 uh, BTC on two used Hondas in 2017 might wish he had waited. Yeah, you should have. I mean, did you really? I mean, unless you absolutely had to have the cars, because that happens. You know, sometimes people have to sell their Bitcoin because they just have to. They don't have a choice. I wish they did. I honestly do. I, w I wish they did. But if you can wait, wait. Because this shit's going to get weird, man. I mean, this shit is, is going to go. I'm not going to say it's going to go to the moon because that's so cliche. But what it is going to do is it's going to go to a place that basically permeates every corner of, of life. And I'm not talking about just payments. I'm talking about all the, like the, the show that I did yesterday was talking about people heating their greenhouses and their homes. And, 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 and now there's actually a, a hot water heater 
that's for sale on the market that actually is a Bitcoin miner. It uses Bitcoin mining waste heat to heat water because, dude, I've got to tell you, man, these things are putting out, it's not like they put out warm air. It's 170 degrees. Have you ever put your hand under 170 degree water? It ain't fun. It's really hot. It's very uncomfortably hot. And if you've got a mining rig that's pumping out 174 degree air, which is what some of these things do, yes, you have more than enough heat to heat a household's hot water heater. Now, if everybody takes a shower at once, you're probably going to get hosed. But hey, you know, this, I'm just saying that this is going to be in everything. It may be in your refrigerators, not that you would want that kind of waste heat in a refrigerator, but it, I mean, they're, they're honestly swear to God, there used to be a, uh, a modem slash router that you could buy that had an ASIC chip in it that would mine Bitcoin. I mean, you couldn't be, I don't, I doubt you'd be able to use it now, but with foundries that are starting to go, we've got a couple of foundries that are going to be built in, I think there's one that's going to be built in Austin and there's one, um, another massive one that's going to be built out in either Nevada or Utah. I can't remember where the foundries are come. Foundries are going to be a big thing. These ASIC chips are going to be everywhere. People are going to figure out how to do all kinds of neat stuff with these systems. And like I said, the, the, the whole permaculture ethos is, Essentially, it's like looking at a system and then finding out what that system's waste stream is. And in the case of Bitcoin mining, it's heat. That's your waste stream. Heat isn't invaluable, especially in the wintertime. You, you can heat all kinds of stuff with it, okay? So it's not waste. It, it only becomes waste if we cannot figure out how to plug that stream of energy into another system and power that system, okay? And that's what... Permaculture really, in my opinion, I think the, the, the Bitcoin infrastructure in general is ripe for really good ethically focused designers because it's a design science and it can be applied outside of ecologies, farms, ranches. It doesn't have to just sit there because it's a design science. You can use that those same the same ethos and the same methods and the same way of looking at things in a completely business standpoint that has nothing to do with raising beef or vegetables or tree crops. It doesn't have to be that. It is literally this. I have system X and it produces Y, but it also produces this stream that I call waste. But it's not waste if I have another system that produces A and takes heat into it to be able to produce that thing A. And then it has this waste stream. But that waste stream is not waste if you have a third system that can accept that waste as its main input to function. So here's the deal. Any system is going to have an input and, an, and two, at least two outputs. It's going to have an input of energy, let's say. It's going to have an output of a product that you sell. And then it's going to have some kind of waste. But the waste is not waste if it fuels another system. And chain those together and all of a sudden, you might end up with a completely circular chain where the very waste stream of the very last system that you have is the input of the very first system that you have. It's not impossible. If we start thinking this way, 
we're going to end up being the kind of people that are bringing to the you know governments of the world why it is that they shouldn't be wetting their pants every time time somebody plugs in a minor because if we do it right every time somebody plugs in a minor the governments of the world will go oh thank god they plugged in another minor i'm just saying now uh we are at 59 minutes so i'm going to go ahead and end it here with the usual sign off of see you on the other side this has been bitcoin and and i'm your host david bennett i hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon have a great day